Imagine writing love letters to the man in the future whom you will one day marry, but have yet to meet. And that's precisely what our guest today on the show did. Hello and welcome to the God Story Podcast. I'm Brent Siddle. And our very special guest is Callie Logan. And her new book from Bridge Logos Publishers is called Dear Future Husband, A Love Letter Journey While Waiting for God's Best. Kelly is the author of two books and is currently a senior writer for Crosswalk.com. She's a high school history teacher where she also serves as a small group leader and mentor. I don't know how she finds time to do all this. Kelly, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Oh, look, it's delightful. This is an absolutely, de- this was a delightful read. Um, and, and I'm keen to ask you all sorts of questions about this. Now, you started writing these letters at the age of 18. What prompted you? What prompted you at that age to write the first love letter? Well, how did you come up with the idea, in fact? Yeah, you know, I've always been such a journaler and I love writing letters. Like ever since I was a little kid, I think my grandmother, I think, was the one who really instilled that in me because she lived next door to me when I was growing up. And we would write each other these little notes. And so she was an artist. And so she would write me a little note and then she'd draw like a bunny or a cat or something like that. And then as soon as I could start writing and actually spelling things correctly, um, (laughs) I would write her one back. And so letters have always just kind of been a thing with me. And when I was in my teen years, I just, I have a really intentional heart. And I, I remember being around 18 and just kind of knowing in my heart that I had come to a place where I was like, you know, I do want to be married one day, but I know not right now, but my life was changing so fast. You know, I was graduating from school and I was going into college and friends were changing and all these different things. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I don't have my guy here. I wish he was here and I wish he could experience this with me. And I figured, well, if he can't experience it with me here in the flesh, I could write about it. And then one day he could read about it and kind of feel like he had been there all along. Mm. Uh, so that kind of sparked the idea. And I just kept going with it um, for years and years. And then eventually I mentioned it a little bit in my first book. And the publisher took a nod to it and asked if I would be willing to write a book about it. So, Yes, a good publisher would. It's an agent's dream, really. Uh, it's such a great idea. Do you still write letters rather than emails? <laughs> Man, it would be easier if I, I just typed them. I do actually handwrite all of them. I do have a typewriter. I have an old 1950s typewriter that I've written a couple on. Uh, but everything else, yeah, nothing was typed. It was all just handwritten letters for this project. Now for for anything else, I am very keen to use my MacBook. So, <laughs> Yeah. How many letters did you write or have you written? Because presumably they're not all included in the book, are they? Or are they? No, I um, actually went through, I, I opened up the box, which I hadn't, I mean, it was literally dusty. I mean, like some of these hadn't seen light and I guess at the time it had been almost 11 years. Um, so I like literally broke open some of the seals on the envelopes and stuff and then tried to tape them back together just to read them because I kind of had forgotten what I had said, you know, a decade ago. So I, I picked my favorite and most prevalent themes. And so I took those and I I rewrote um, kind of, you know, paraphrasing some of what the other letters were. But in total, the running total right now, I think is like 295 because I did count them recently <laughs> because I was like, I wonder how many there actually are. And you, oh, I see, and you sealed them up so you hadn't read them for years. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you hope will read this book and what do you hope they'll get out of it? 
My hope is that women who really truly believe that God has not just a one of a kind love story for them, but a one of a kind life that they, women who are just earnestly seeking to live intentionally and authentically and who want to grow in their relationship with God. They want to grow into being who they were made to be and women who really do want to pray and, and work towards even before they meet their husband you know, work towards being a good wife even before they are a wife. The letters seem motivated by your knowledge that God does indeed have someone for you. Why did you or do you feel so certain of that? You know, that I, I actually appreciate that question. I haven't gotten that one yet. Um, so I'll share a story that I haven't shared on anything. When I, about a month before I started writing the letters, I was at a sleepover. And of course, all the girls, you know, were, were 17, 18 years old. We were just talking about guys. And me being the oddball out was like, well, I mean, like, you know, some of the guys at school, I mean, they're okay, but you know, like, I just, I don't know, like, I just, I really want to like, let God lead that. Cause I feel like if I take control of it, I'm just going to mess it up. <laughs> um, and so I actually asked God and I, I just really handed the pen over to him and said, Lord, if you have someone for me, please make it really clear to my heart that you do. And I'm going to let you lead the way to the best of my ability and I want you to author it. And that night I actually had a really beautiful dream um, about a guy. I didn't remember his face when I woke up. Uh, I just remembered like certain little features like eye color and hair color and build and everything. But it was so profound that I never had any experience like that, that I really had this peace in my heart. Like it was a conviction. Like I knew that there is this guy that God has and and one day, you know, we'll cross paths and it'll all work out. And it was about a month after that I really started writing those letters, but I really took that from God, not just some Frankenstein idea, mod podge of guys that I had known in my head, but it was more like a, a holy gift of a promise. You write about your first experience of dating, and um, I wasn't impressed, I have to say, with the, with the, I would hesitate to use the word gentleman of that, he's probably listening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I did not date until college and uh, did not find the guy that was in the dream, that's for sure. Well, he didn't, um, even, get, he didn't even take you to a restaurant. Uh, I wanted you to settle for an ice cream or something, if I remember correctly. I mean, for goodness sake. For goodness sake, I mean, you know. Yeah, that was that was actually kind of um, a mess of like two or three dates I had been on that were kind of, I just compiled them into one. <laughs> uh, yes, well, mm, yeah, men can be very disappointing. I'll tell oh, you. My goodness. Now, now, the letters, <laughs> getting back on track. Now, the letters begin in 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder to what extent they're a chronicle of mm -hmm. over a decade's worth of events in your life and in the life of the world around you. Yeah, um, I they were significant ones in my life, but I really did try to make it so that the reader will relate. So they'll be like, oh, I get, I went through that. I had that happen. So they don't feel they're reading my autobiography um, at all, but instead they're just kind of seeing themselves in a, the character to a bit, you know, kind of like, oh, I remember that happening to me where I had a similar experience or, you know, so some of the things are funny uh, and some of them are a lot deeper. And so kind of the first half of the book, um, I really do try and kind of focus on some of those things. And and I do uh, include a lot of God works in such cool metaphor with me um, to signify things with me. So I did share quite a few of those because I do feel like those stories are, um, you know, they, they can resonate with people. 
They're beautifully written. They really are. Now, you're, I observed you're an historian. You're a history teacher. And I wondered whether the history teacher in you also was there in, in, while you were writing this, and you were writing them with an historian's eye even to record events for the future. Was that part of your thinking or did it not occur to you? That's, that's, I like that thought, actually. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I, um, in high school, I actually thought I was going to be a, a history curator. I wanted to work in a museum. Um, and I did. That was my first job. I actually worked at a museum. So I think history has always kind of been something significant to me. And I think, um, you know, all of history is just storytelling. You know, it's just big and small events and all the things in between. So I do think, yeah, I think that had a, a bit of it because I when I study history, I study it for the story chronologically. And so that's kind of what I tried to, to bring forward. So I like that. Yeah. Uh, I suspect there's an historical novel in you somewhere. I think your publisher should be. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. I'll cut that bit out. It's not. My... Oh, I have. I have an ongoing list of ideas on that. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there definitely is. That's that was my reading of it anyway. But what would I know? Um, I what am I going to? What am I going to ask you next? Oh, yeah. Do you think it's a good idea to pray for your future husband? I think it's a very good idea. Um, I think it's important to pray for anybody in your life, or pray for people that you have a strong feeling that will come into your life one day because you know prayer is your communication with god and god is the only one that can really you know divinely bring in intervention and cause things to shift you know towards his will and i think prayer is so important and i think recognizing that you know if you do really feel convicted that you will be married one day and your future spouse is living now you know and they're walking around they're doing something and more than likely they really do need your prayers and I would even go as far as, you know, praying that if they feel led, that the Lord would impress upon their heart to pray for you as well. Um, because I think when you go into marriage, you really want that practice where you ha both have relationship with God, but then together you are entwined in relationship with God. And so, you know, you'll be praying for them on a daily basis, hopefully in marriage. So, you know, starting it early, uh, we'll just put those things into practice. And I think it's neat, too, to see how the Lord will incline your heart to pray. Um, I had one summer in particular where, and I can't wait to hear the other side of the story one day, but I was given a verse to pray uh, for my future husband just every day for a summer. And I cannot wait to ask him what was going on in the summer of 2020 in his heart, uh, because there was this one particular verse that I would get up in the morning and I'd pray that over him and, and see where God was leading it. Do you think there's a, a guy out there who's been writing letters to a future wife? That would be a cool thought. Wouldn't it be know. amazing? I just think that idea came to me as I read them. I thought, I, I wonder whether there's somebody out there doing the doing the same thing as you are. Yeah, absolutely. And one yeah, day you can one day you can meet and share them. Yeah. Uh, why do you include a prayer at the end of each letter? Um, well, so that uh, is to really encourage the women reading it to to be intentional about praying for their spouse. Uh, you know, kind of like we had said, just putting that into practice. But I think, too, it's looking at it that we can have a lot of thoughts and things that we want to say to someone else, um, but we're not necessarily taking them to God. So by inviting that prayer, we're really inviting God in to pray over specific things, you know, whether it's a lesson or a theme or something, a practice that you want to learn or hone in on. So I think it is, it's kind of the element of inviting the Holy Spirit into it as well. Mm. You write in one of the prayers, the future is a mystery and the present is, well, also a mystery of sorts. That intrigued me. Why is the present a mystery, do you think? So I love this quote from John Piper. It says, there are about 10,000 things going on at once that God's doing in your life and you might be aware of three. And I think that's 
really true. You know, so I think in a lot of ways, we so often will look at just what we can see right in front of us, what is tangible that we can touch and see and feel in that present moment. But we're not even aware of the conversations going on behind the scenes. We're not aware of the things going on behind the scenes. So there's so much mystery even in the present moment. For as much as we think we are seeing reality, we're only seeing just a small sliver of it through our lens. But then God sees the full of reality. He sees everything going on all at once. And so much of that's a mystery to us unless he's revealed it to us of what's going on. So yeah, I, I a lot of that kind of sometimes can scare you a little bit. Like, man, there's so much going on I don't know about. But I actually find kind of a curiosity to it and an intrigue. Mm-hmm. Like, man, what might be going on that I don't know about right now? And maybe I'll know about it tomorrow. And I'll look back and be like, oh, that was so cool. I had no idea. You know, I was just over at Walmart. I didn't know what was going on today. And God was doing all this stuff behind the scenes. So, Yes, the Christian life is a bit of an adventure, isn't it? You never quite know what God's going to do next. It's part of That's the so fun true. of it. It's a wild adventure. One of the things I, f- I really found uh, interesting as I read was the, the way you described your, or the way your relationship with God deepened over the years and how it's reflected in the writing. How do you think your relationship with God deepened through the years you've been writing all these letters? Yeah, I think a lot of it, it definitely did. Um, You know, I think looking back when I was 18, there was that I had invited God into parts of my life, but I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of the idea of surrendering everything over to him. You know, there's that kind of idea that when you come into salvation or you're going to church and stuff like, oh, well, I just assume that God has all of it, you know, but then when, when you really dig into it, you think, well, am I trying to control the story? Am I trying to control the narrative? Am I, you know, am I writing my own story or am I actually surrendered to him? Because his will is always going to be my best, you know, even when it doesn't feel like it sometimes, ultimately we'll look back and see, no, what he writes is the best. And I think uh, as the years went on, I really learned that there were things that I, I really, I desired and I wanted, you know, in my early twenties and I, I had to surrender them over to him knowing that he knows ultimately what is best. He knows what to grow in me and what he has in plan. So I think a lot of the friendship too developed with God where I wasn't, you know, I, I definitely never have felt that I was praying to the ceiling or anything, but I think, you know, instead of just kind of praying before bed or before meals and stuff or on the huge stuff, instead inviting the Lord into my everyday, just kind of that, as Paul talks about prayer without ceasing and developing that friendship with the Lord and seeing how he speaks specifically to me. And so it was neat to see that in the literal letters and then kind of convey that over into the book letters too, which is how that grew. Yeah, sanctification is very much a theme of the letters, isn't it, as you journey on? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you found found your inner writer as you wrote these letters? Was it a journey of discovery as a writer as well as a a future spouse? It really took me out of my comfort zone in a lot of ways, especially writing the book of it, um, because it was something so vulnerable. Um, and so, you know, in, in, you know, I was like letting kind of peeling back that curtain and letting people into a lot of more of those other things and stories I had never told anyone before, uh, things like that. But I do think it stretched me as a writer in ways that I was really grateful for, because it is a letter format. The, the first book is a lot different in its format. And it was cool to see how I could grow as a writer and how I could shift things and change. And it was certainly a lot different than the crosswalk articles that I'm typically writing and things like that. So I do think um, 
it really grew me and pulled me out of a comfort zone in a really great way. Yeah, I want to spend a couple of minutes asking you about singleness because I know it's something that you've written on, you've written on and, and there are articles. Do you think the church puts too much pressure on singles to get married? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Very much. Um, I went to a Christian college, which I loved, and I, I really adored going to that Christian college. But I think definitely, you know, you kind of show up and there is that heavy emphasis on people, you know, and of course, you know, it's young people. So they're all kind of like, well, maybe I'll get married kind of thing. But I do think the church, I think a lot of Christian colleges, I think just kind of, you know, the body in general does put that pressure and emphasis on getting married and especially getting married young. And I think sometimes as much as the intention is good, it takes a lot more than just two people being Christians for them to be right for each other. You know, you got to have God's blessing and God's hand and the authorship behind that, because if you don't, it's, you know, as Charles Stanley talks about anything done outside of God's will eventually will turn to ash because you think about the refiner's fire and our lives are a lot bigger than just the exciting things we can grab immediately. So I do think the church means well, and of course we want to be pro-marriage, but I think we want to be pro-God's best and God's intention in marriage as well. What um what do you say to a single person listening to this podcast? What sort of advice do you give them? I mean, about waiting, about how to deal with it, about how to pray about it? Yeah, I would say, I think, know that God hasn't forgotten you. I think a lot of times we'll kind of fall into that. I think the enemy likes to make us think, that God is this old man that has forgotten us and doesn't care uh, or doesn't see our pain or that we've somehow missed the bus and, you know, the, the bus to take everyone to go get married and, and live their lives and stuff. And somehow you just woke up too late and you didn't even know you missed it. But uh, I think I would say to to really devote yourself in prayer and allow him to work things out in his timing because his timing is best. And I think and I, anyone I talk to that has, you know, a, a wow God story, they'll look back and they'll say, man, God had such precise timing. He knew all the things, all the stars had to align just the right way. And I'm glad he didn't give it to me before. And I'm glad he didn't give it to me after. So I, I would say the single people, I would say, hold hope, you know, and stand firm that you are somebody who is worthy of a beautiful God story. And then don't settle for just something that's just easily grabbed. Because if it does turn to ash because it's outside of God's will, then you're going to find yourself even further back than you had anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to disciple some men to step up too. That's my observation. Um, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We can, we're nearly coming to the end. Have you got your book there in front of you by any chance? I was going to ask you whether you'd read a small section of it. Have you got a favourite letter? But before we do that, just think about that in the back of your mind while I ask yeah. you another, another couple of questions. You write, it's incredible, I, I like taking notes while I read. You write, it's incredible how much I have learned in the years of writing these letters. I've learned so much about God and about myself. Now, what are some of the things you've learned? Um, about God or about me or about both? Both. Both. I think one that God does really desire to have that Eden relationship with us, because you think about the original intention of God with man and it was in the garden with, you know, Adam and Eve and it, it was full communication. It was full doing life with Adam and Eve and he was there. And I think we get, so we think because we were cast out of the garden that somehow then we can't have that relationship with God. We can't have it at that level. But I do think God really does desire to have that kind of relationship with us where we are walking with him, 
um, on a daily basis. And that was one of the biggest things I learned that God's not just there for me to call when I'm in trouble or I'm hoping for something, that God's there for me just to have communion with and love and adore and worship and have my best relationship be with him. I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned about with God. I think the other is that it is such an adventure doing life with God. He will invite you to do things you would have never thought you would do. <laughs> uh, things that you had said in the past, like, nah, that's not for me. God will be like, are you sure though? <laughs> mm. um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we can all say amen to that. Right. Time for a, for a letter or part of a letter. All right. I've got it right here. Did you have a particular letter that you wanted or just oh, one of my favorites? or one of One of your favorites. I mean, they do chronicle your life and all your teaching positions and all the rest of it. But just choose something that particularly means some, yeah, means something for you that uh, yeah. that you like, that you particularly like. Yeah, I would love this. Um, I'll read this little section here, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, Snowy day full of thoughts. This was January fifth, twenty twenty-two. Dear future husband, I'm finding myself on a very snowy day here in Richmond, Virginia, which is a rarity of sorts, especially because two days ago it was seventy-five degrees and sunny. And yesterday it was 16 raining. Then here on this Monday afternoon, the view outside my window is six inches of snow. I must admit that I'm eating a large helping of humble pie. I literally laughed at the thought that there would be a chance of snow today. And yet overnight, God has flipped it all to a winter wonderland. Humbly, I'm seeing how like a strike of lightning, he can change the entire atmosphere and landscape all overnight. I love that day particularly, and I wanted to put that in a letter uh, because it was so neat to see how my assumption was that the next day was just going to be like the day before. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, I wonderfully ate humble pie and I got to enjoy something new that God had. Uh, and so I wanted to include that because I think that's such a metaphor for our lives. And when God says so, everything can change in an instant. Mm. And you actually get snow in West Virginia. Which um, we do, uh, we do, in, we do in parts of New Zealand, but not where I am. And it wasn't uh, until I, um, well, having said that, we did have sleet last year, but it wasn't until I lived in England and Manchester that I really, we really, I really experienced snow for the very first time, and at Christmas too. It was the whole place was actually like a winter wonderland, as you as you write. Oh, that's just that's, that's great. Well, we got time for one more question. To what extent are all our lives part of God's story? Do you think? I think each and every one of us matters to God. And I think, you know, we all are part of the story of the world and that's God's story. Ultimately, you know, he had a plan and intention um, since before he even made Eden, he knew man would fall. He knew what was going to happen because he knew what man would choose. But I think looking that God had a plan, his plan all along and, and how he chose to make each and every one of us, not this cookie cutter where we look and act just like the other, but we all have a very unique story. And I do think we're all part of his plan and his story. And I think it is his desire, you know, for us to come into relationship with him so that we can be in heaven forever with him one day. Kelly Logan, there we are. Thank you so much. And senior writer for crosswalk.com. And the book from Bridge Logos Publishers is called Dear Future Husband, A Love Letter Journey While Waiting for God's Best. Kelly, bless you. May you find the one you've been waiting for. Thank you. Bless you. Yes. And uh, God bless you. And thank you so much for your time with us today. And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and to take care of things behind the scenes. Kelly, thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to give us a rating and leave a review. 
This will help more people discover God's story for themselves. If you'd like to get in touch or learn more, please visit godstorypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's godstorypodcast.com.